0: It is so good to see you this morning and I hope and pray that everyone, my what a good looking crowd, my I hope you're all doing well, it's so good to see you, I tell you, Uh, that singing was absolutely beautiful, it was gorgeous and I wish you could have been sitting up here listening to these angels sing right here, thank you for blessing me this morning and being able to worship together, boy it's good to be here today and hope and pray that you're all doing well, that you're proud to be here and What a blessed day it is. That liquid sunshine is fantastic outside, isn't it? It is great. My wife and grandson are with me this morning, and if you've not had a chance to meet them, I want them to be blessed with your friendship. Have a chance to meet them today, and we will be better because of it. Blake is one of my favorite Christians preachers and persons in the world we go way 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 back way back and uh, I have been blessed through the years with his friendship and fellowship and Blake it's so good to see you and love and appreciate your family what a wonderful work that's going on here it just seems that everybody is so happy and and uh, just proud to be a Christian so God bless you today my wife and I walked into a hospital room in Paris Tennessee been a few years back and uh, we walked in there to visit a little boy by the name of Jason Blackman he was 12 years old and he had been in an accident and we were there Sunday morning after service I just got through preaching and so we we went up to Paris and we went in to visit Jason and he was in the big white there the the hospital bed the sheets and everything and he, he was scratched and scraped and broken and bruised, and he had been in an accident, but, but he had his red St. Louis Cardinals baseball cap on, and, and after we talked with his mother, mother uh, just the small talk, she knowing that I was a preacher asked this question. Ask this question. Mr. Posey, she said, what's a person to do living in a world like this? And she gestured toward her son. I had my New Testament in my coat pocket, so I pulled it out and I thought, well, I'll give her a biblical answer for that question. And I turned to Luke nine twenty-three. You know the passage, I'm sure. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him, uh, well, deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. You know the passage, don't you? Powerful passage. And that was my answer to her that day. Because you see, that question was asked in relationship to her family, her home. And she wanted to know how her family her home could live in a world like this and live well Well, that's the question that really occupies my mind today so we go to the bible and turn to luke chapter 2 we're going to see three three scenes from the life of jesus quickly luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 41 and read with me there you got your bibles this morning okay let's notice luke 2 verse 41 We'll see a scene in the life of Jesus move to another and then a third and then make some application in regard to coming home. What a wonderful theme. Verse 41 says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. A Jewish male, a boy that turned 12 years old and Judaism became, have you ever heard the term bar mitzvah? He became a bar mitzvah, that's the Hebrew word, the son of the law. And no longer did his dad offer sacrifice for him in Jerusalem, he was now responsible for offering sacrifice for himself. So he joined his parents as they went to Jerusalem and they uh, they observed the custom of the feast. The text says that when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus, he remained in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know about it. Jesus remained and lagged behind. The text says, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. As they left Jerusalem and traveled back north to the country in which they lived, Galilee, the Nazareth city was there. They traveled a day's journey north, which you could travel in a caravan, walking about 20 miles. They broke for camp that evening and they began to look for Jesus. They thought he was with the relatives, the kinfolk, somewhere in this crowd, but when they began to look for him, they didn't find him. Jesus, where are you? And and they couldn't find him. So the text says, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now folks, help me with the math here. If you travel a day's journey away from a city, how long does it take you to get back to that city? That's a no-brainer, isn't it? Even a preacher can get that. If you travel a day's journey away from a city, you've got to travel a day's journey back to the city. Jesus has been missing. A 12-year-old boy has been missing now for two days. You'd turn Gadsden upside down if that happened, wouldn't you? Then the text says, Now it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Five days he's been missing. Don't you know a mother would go out of her mind? Man, you you can deal with a lot of things, but not with a passionate mother. Okay? And then we get into this, this thing in verse 47. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Now, when they saw him, the pronoun they referred to Joseph and Mary, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And the way Jesus answers his mother is priceless. It's incredible. Jesus said to them, why did you seek me? Did you, know not? did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I love that. You see, home and family is important because we must start early about the father's business. Jesus at the tender age of 12 was already about his father's business. Scene number 2 Luke 19 41 that's Luke 2:41. now we go to Luke 1941 and we see another time in the life of Jesus. This is once again a time when Jesus comes to Jerusalem. Uh, at, at age 12 he came but in Luke 19 it's the last time he will ever enter that city alive while he's on this earth. Luke 19 and verse number 41 it says and when he drew near he saw the city and wept over it. He came to the mountains surrounding Jerusalem and as he he's, as He looked down and surveyed the city below. It brought tears to his eyes. He began to weep and cry. Now, why did he cry? Well, notice in verse 42, saying, If you had known, even you especially in your day, the things which belong to your peace, but now they're hid from your eyes. Now, this is the city that would try him, convict him, and treat him horribly unjustly. He had committed no crime. He was guilty of no wrong. And yet they would kill him for that and as he looks upon this city he, he is brought to tears because they're not at peace that's amazing at age 12 in Luke 2 41 he's about his father's business at a very young age in Luke 19 41 he cries for the city that will kill him because they don't have peace now the third scene Luke twenty two forty seven. 47 this is probably the one of the most amazing scenes that you'll see. Luke twenty two forty seven, 47, it says, And while he was yet speaking, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, he went before them, and he drew near to Jesus to kiss him. Remember, that was the, that was the sign. This is him. I'll kiss him. Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those that were around saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we smite or strike with the sword? And one of them, he, he struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now, Luke doesn't tell us the swordsman, the name of the swordsman in this text, that he drew his sword, and here's the, the servant of the high priest, Malchus, and, and he cuts his ear off. Now, the other gospels will tell us who the swordsman was. Does anybody know? Yeah, I heard Peter. Peter must have been a great fisherman. He he was obviously a wonderful preacher, not a great swordsman, he cut the guy's ear off. I don't think that is a big death blow, you know? (laughs) You know, thanks for defending me. Now, (laughs) you got his ear. (laughs) But here's the scene in the context. Jesus is gonna be taken away and he's going to be flogged. He's gonna be crucified. He's gonna be treated horribly. And in essence, Jesus' arresting officer is standing before him injured. And how does Jesus treat this enemy? The text says, Jesus answered and said, Permit this, and he touched his ear and healed him. If there was ever a case where the, where, the, where the statement of love your enemies is played out, that's in the life of Jesus. Luke 2.41, he's at the father's business at a very young age. Luke 19.41, he cries for a city because they don't have peace, even though they will kill him. And, and in Luke 22.47, here is a man that is injured, an enemy that is in, injured. And what does Jesus do? He attends to him very tenderly. And why did Jesus do that? Well, I'm convinced the answer is found in John chapter four beginning in verse number 31, where Jesus, after discussing with the Samaritan woman there at the whale, well, his disciples returned from finding food and there it said that in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, rabbi, master, eat. They wanted Jesus to have a full belly and he says in verse number 32, I have food to eat of which you do not know. He wanted their soul to be full. Still, they don't get it in verse 34. Therefore, the disciples said one to another, has any brought, anyone brought him anything to eat? They were still cons- concerned with his stomach. And yet Jesus responds by telling them about their soul. And he says, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You see, the reason that Jesus sets the powerful example for us in regard to family and home and and the importance of togetherness is that because he was involved with the business of his father. He, He reached out to those that were in turmoil and chaos, wanting them to have peace. And even those that would do him wrong, that we would call his enemies, He reached in a tender way to assist them and tell them and help them in their difficulties. And why did he do that? Because, you see, his reason on this earth was to do the will of the Father, to be involved in his work. And I commend that to you this morning. If you're truly going to be at home and anticipate that great homecoming in heaven, may we be like Jesus. Now, the question is, for the next few moments, why should we be like Jesus? Can I take this off, okay? Why should we be like Jesus and do as he has done? Why should we make Jesus our master as he was involved in doing the master's work? Well, there are three reasons this morning. Number one, you see, the master provides us with life. With life. How do we know that? Well, we understand by making Jesus our master, He provides us, number one, with life. Uh, listen to Him. In John 10 and verse number 10, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The passage that was read by the brother this morning, quoted by the brother from John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Paul said in Galatians 2 verse 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Folks, if we're really going to be about the Father's business and do the will of the Father, involved in family and coming home and being together and being the church in a very powerful way in this community, we, we must, number one, have life from the Master. But number two, we've got to also understand the Master provides us with, with law. In the Posey home growing up, one of my responsibilities on the farm was to collect all the garbage from the barn, the house, the everywhere, and make sure that it was... In the proper receptacles, and you know that was one of my duties, one of my chores. Dad came through the the den one day, and he said, "Son, have you taken out the garbage? Not yet, Daddy." I said. He said, "Well, go and do it now." I said, "Why?" You know how it, every dad in here knows how you respond, don't you? Because, now, folks. <laughs> I'm ignorant in a lot of things. Might be stupid in some areas, but on that day, I was just plain dumb, okay? <laughs> I said, because why? And this is how he responds. I love this because I've used it myself. He said, because I said so. And then he followed up with this. The food that you eat, the roof that is over your back, the bed in which you sleep, the clothes that are on your, on your body, the money that is in your pocket, everything you have because of me. And buddy, when I say take out the garbage, you take out the garbage. And it all of a sudden became crystal clear Yes, I got it. Let me ask you this this morning. If the, master provides us, if the master provides us with life, if Jesus provides us with life, doesn't he have the right to provide us with law as well and expect us to obey it? Jesus himself said in John 14 verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. He's the author of eternal salvation. And to all them that obey him, Hebrews 5 and verses 8 and 9, oh, we love to obey the master. The best sleep that I've ever received is when I lay my head down on the pillow at night, knowing that I have done everything in word, thought, and deed to fulfill the will of the master. But then number three, the master also provides us with liberty. The truth shall set you what? You know John eight thirty two. In that same chapter, Jesus said, and if you're free, you are free indeed. Sin causes guilt and it incarcerates us. It doesn't and it shouldn't incapacitate us because we go to God in confession, repentance. We ask him for forgiveness and the promise of God is this. He will forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness when we're in the light with him. 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10. It's important that we recognize that, number one, to do the the master's will, we must uh, make Christ our master. That's that's home, and that's that's coming home. We, We renew our allegiance to the master. But secondly, not only do we make Christ our master, but number two, let's make service our mission. Renew our allegiance to serving our Lord. John the 13th chapter, that's the scene of the Last Supper. The disciples and Jesus are gathered in that upper room and there they observe the Passover feast. At one point during that feast, Jesus arises from the, from the meal. He goes and he, he, he takes a towel. Remember the scene? He wraps the towel around his waist, taking a basin of water, and then he begins to do something very humble to the disciples." Do you remember what happened? He began to wash their feet, didn't he? Now that was a custom, it was reserved for a time. It was also in connection with the Passover feast because they had purified themselves and they had come to the room and the last thing that really needed to be purified were the things that they walked in on. And so Jesus, in humbly attending to them, He says in verse number 13 through 15, he's setting them an example. He said, I have set you an example that you you should do as I have done to you. So you, you, in essence, go and serve other people. Serve other people. I want to give you a little homework. In James, the first chapter, in verse number 27, listen to this. Listen carefully. James said this, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Beautiful instructions for Christians today. Have you ever investigated the word visit, to visit the widows and orphans in their affliction? Do some homework and and look at that word visit. It's very interesting because... It's the very same word from which we get the word elder. Powerful. What's James saying? Folks, it's not me, myself, and I. We're in this thing together. We help, we reach, we provide, and we reach out to those that are in need. If we're truly going to be a home and a family We've got to reach beyond ourselves to the community and places in which we live and seek to alleviate the difficulties of those that are around us to help where we can, to be Christ to the community in which we live. So number one, we need to make Christ our master, renew that allegiance every day. Number two, make service our mission. That is, we reach to those that are in need. We strive to be the kind of example that that people would see Jesus living in us, and they'll be drawn to the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But number three this morning, and that is, not only do we make Christ our master and service our mission, but let's make Jesus our model, 1 Peter chapter two and verse number 21, listen to this. Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Folks, every one of us is giving an example and an influence to somebody. I pray that we're giving the right example and influence to everybody. We do that in words that we speak. We speak the truth in love. We do that in the thoughts that we entertain because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But we also do it in our deeds. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Listen to James 2 and verse number 12. He said, speak and do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. You know what that is saying? He said, when you leave here today and you go out into the communities, that is to the jobs and the schools and the recreation and the various places that you go, go out there and live like somebody died for you. A few years back, my family and I had the privilege of having lunch with Coach Nick Nick Saban down in Tuscaloosa. Our our daughter, Kayla, while she was at the University of Alabama, she was Coach Nick Saban's personal assistant for five years, and man, did we get the perks. Whoa. (laughs) I I told her, I said, sweetheart, we'll pay for you to go there a few more years, you know, (laughs) to stay, anyway. We're having lunch with Coach Nick Saban. Man, I'm hanging on every word that he is, he is speaking. And he begins to talk about, you've heard the process, okay? Now, whether you're an Alabama fan or not and everything, it, it's been widely publicized, you know, and it's just his philosophy, it's his coaching method, you know. And he said this, and this really made an impression upon me because what he said that day I knew had greater application than athletics. That was the minor impact. It had a spiritual application. He said, you know, the process is this. He said, I'm not trying to get my players to win the national championship. I'm trying to get my players to do what's right in front of them at that moment every block, every tackle, every field goal, that which is right in front of them at that moment, that's what I'm trying to get them to do. And I thought, man, that's that's a spiritual application because you see, folks, those people that are right in front of us, husbands, those wives that are right in front of you day in and day out, you treat them the way the Bible says treat them. And wives, those husbands that are in front of you day in and day out, support them and build them up as the leader of your home and they'll treat you better than you deserve. I promise you that. And kids, those parents that are trying to help you to do right and and follow the right path, listen to them. They've got a little bit of experience in that area. And, And oh, the good elders of the congregations, thank God for you. Keep this congregation strong and headed in the right direction. This congregation that's right in front of you. And all these wonderful deacons that serve in a a selfless way. Thank thank the good Lord above for you. You serve like there's no tomorrow. And our wonderful ministers. I, I like ministers because as the little boy said, I are one. Man, I love them. Support your ministers. They're trying their best. And they need your love. Folks, those things that are right right in front of us, but most of all, and listen to this carefully, serve the Son of God that is right in front of you. Listen to the Bible, and it's the best. Hebrews 12 and verse number 2, looking unto Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and right now he's sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look to Jesus. For when we, when we take our eyes off of Jesus, and we, did you hear what he said? Did you see what she did? Do you know what that... We get to looking around and paying attention to things that we really don't need to, to put our focus on. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. So, coming home and being the home that God wants us to be, this church family. Renew your allegiance to the Master every day of your life. Number two... Serve like there's no tomorrow and live like somebody died for you because that's the model that we have in Jesus to follow. And when we follow the model of Jesus, we'll always follow the right source and we'll reach the right destination. Two days before my wife and I walked into that hospital room in Paris, Tennessee, two days before... We were traveling Highway 45 North through Tennessee. And I saw up ahead on the side of the road a station wagon. And you know how people used to pick up aluminum cans on the side of the road, you know, to make some extra money? You remember that? You know, some still do. But here's a family on the side of the road, and they're picking up aluminum cans, I guess, to maybe pay the rent that month. I I, I don't know, but uh, I slowed down. and as I passed that station wagon my wife and I were in the car. A twelve-year-old boy wearing a red St. Louis Cardinals baseball cap ran out in front of me and I hit him. And ne'er shall I forget it. It was the right front fender and it's an eerie sound to hear a body rolling over the hood, the roof of your vehicle, to only look in your rearview mirror and see someone hit the asphalt very hard and lay very still. I put it in park, jumped out to go check on the little boy I just hit with our car. At that time. The trauma unit in the Paris Tennessee Hospital was the best, and that's where they took him. And we walk into the hospital room Sunday morning after I got through preaching and talked to his mama for just a minute, and she, knowing that I was a preacher, she asked me, Mr. Posey, What's a person to do living in a world like this? (laughs) I had my New Testament in my pocket. And I thought, how am I going to answer this woman? My heart was breaking, my soul was rinsing. (laughs) I thought the only thing that I can do, the only way I can uh, respond, the only thing that I can give her, I'll give her scripture. I'll give her God's word. And I turned to Luke 9, verse 23, and I said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I didn't know where else to go but to God's word. I kept in contact with that little fella and about five weeks later I baptized him into Jesus Christ his two older brothers and younger sister were also baptized his mom and dad that were having marital problems through through some help the help of good Christian counselors they reconciled and And he wanted to preach, so helping him do that. And today, in Middle Tennessee, there is a a little boy that I still refer to as little that is preaching the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with his own family that he's influencing to go home to heaven together, and you know why. He saw the importance of family and home as priority in his life, so what did he do? He made Christ his master. He made service his mission. And he made Jesus his model. I pray that you're doing that same thing and those same things today. There's nothing better than home. There's nothing better than a church home, a Christian home, and a heavenly home. And I pray that you have all three. But if there is some reason that you have drifted away... Maybe you've never begun the journey, and you need to, through a living faith, repenting of your sins, confessing that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, that you would be willing to submit to baptism in water by immersion so that the blood of the Son of God can be applied to your soul and your sins can be washed away. You'll be added to the Lord's church, and you can go on your way with a smile on your face, a gleam in your eye, and a skip in your step, on your way rejoicing. And if you need to return along that journey... God makes us a promise that when we come to him, he will forgive us. Come home this morning if you need to as together we stand and as we sing.